morning. It is my joy to welcome you as we begin to gather as God's people on what is a beautiful Sunday morning. Would you agree? Okay, you're going to have to do a little better than that. It's, uh, the sun is shining. There's a blue sky outside. Who's worried about the cold weather? Okay, there's one, there's two. We do have some honest Christians here among us. That's great. We're so glad that you have chosen this morning to be with us. Uh, especially if you are new to us, and we are glad that you are with us today. Uh, we offer the welcome of Christ and the welcome of this church, and we are delighted that you have chosen to be here. Uh, we also have friendship pads. We use those as a way to get to know each other. They're passed and filled out if you would like, but also, more importantly, a means to learn someone's name and to greet someone more personally as you can. Uh, we also have brochures. If you're interested a little bit more about Central, we'll be glad to let you know about us. Today, I am calling this service Back to the Future. For the astute among you may have noticed that there is an erroneous date on your bulletin. The service that we have for today was planned for last Sunday. And so you did not get into a DeLorean and move somewhere back in time. But you are indeed on the 27th of January as we celebrate the service for January the 20th. And the service was so uh, well put together and had so many great elements. I just didn't want old man winter to get the best of us. And so we are doing that service today. The inside of your bulletin is fresh information. So we saved a little bit of money and didn't reprint the bulletin on the outside but have reprinted the information on the inside. So that is current information, and uh, you would want to preview that and be aware of all the things happening in the life of our church. But certainly, it's important for us to pause and to remember and give thanks to God for all the many ways that we have been blessed. It's important for us as Americans to remember the story of the struggle for civil rights and the legacy of Martin Luther King, Jr., I appreciated many of you that were at the service uh, last Sunday night at um, uh, Central Christian Church, um, and that was a wonderful time together, and there's another opportunity tonight to be in your ecumenical family. These times, it's important for us to reach across the aisles of division, to step across the street to meet neighbors, to listen with our hearts and our minds open to what we may be taught in a world of increasing diversity. And so we are here together because God has a lot of crayons in God's crayon box. And it's beautiful when all those different pieces come together. Aren't we glad to be in a place that celebrates the goodness and wonder of God? Welcome to worship this day.
Please stand with me as you're able, and we'll do the call to worship. No matter how far we wander from you, O God, your steadfast love no matter how unjust the world seems to us, O oh God, no matter how vulnerable our lives seem to us, O oh God, no matter how unloved and uncared for we feel, O oh God,
Please join me in prayer. Lord, in a time where things in our world are so uncertain, please help us to remember that your grace always surrounds us. And help us to remember that it's not all about us and to show some grace to those around us. In your name, amen. Our Hebrew scripture reading for this morning comes from Psalm 36. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright of heart. Now a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Child of God. 
no matter what the church says. Decisions, pronouncements on you. You are a child. You are a child of God. And there is no thing or no one who can separate. They can separate you from the truth that you're someone, you are family, and you are meant to be a child, a child of God. This year, during the event surrounding the Martin Luther King weekend, I sought a more honest assessment of my past when thinking about diversity and racism. I wondered if, in remembering, I had given myself too quick a pass, believing I somehow was not bound by the issues of condemnation and prejudice that I witnessed all around me growing up. The challenge, could I look back upon my life with a healthier dose of skepticism? I remember the first fight I was drawn into while in fourth grade as a part of the first group of kids bused to the inner city in Denver, Colorado in the early 1970s. I remember the name calling, the Fear, the disrespect. I don't remember swinging my arms, and it probably wouldn't have made any good if I had landed anything, but I do remember the bop on the back of my head somehow in the melee and being called into the principal's office and shedding tears of shame and pain, more so than anger and revenge. I remember the sports teams where black athletes were valued more for their abilities than to truly be totally accepted as just another one of the kids. I remember my black friends in middle school always finding themselves sitting in the back of the room or on the back of the bus. Looking back, it's easy to think that you know, I had done okay. I knew the names of my black friends. I took initiative to talk to many of them. I wasn't afraid to go down to the black hallway in high school and interact with them that were there. But I also knew how to peaceably live within the system. 
and a recognition that things were not always so fair for these people I called my friends. And I felt no pressing need whatsoever to challenge the system of which we were all a part. And that caused me to wonder, what side would I have chosen if I had lived in other times of past challenges? Where would I have stood or fought with in days gone by? Would I have challenged the Euro-Americans, forcing the native Indians further away from their lands? And I'm aware that in my family, we had members on both sides of that national schism of 150 years ago. Folks who were fighting in Mr. Lincoln's war or Mr. Davis's war, depending on which side you embraced. Would I have been silent during a time of war? How does extreme times of conflict influence the severity of prejudice? A question for the past, and certainly a question for today. You see, Americans have faced struggles over and over and over again, and perhaps you have found yourself wondering, why? Why must this generation also go through this struggle of trial that things are moving so fast and the culture is changing so rapidly? Why must we continually worry about issues of racial equality or sexual diversity? Why haven't we just all moved on? Why should we be concerned about the poor in other war-torn countries? Or the burgeoning refugee and immigration crisis impacting our national discussions here and around the world? Isn't there already enough trouble in the world? Why make more? Why can't we just sit back? Let things kind of take their natural course. It's all too much, too fast. And we have all perhaps grown far too Tired. I hope if I had been old enough, I may have found myself marching with Dr. King on Selma with other clergy, but I might be kidding myself. Where would my voice have been during the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II? I wonder if I had kept slaves. Would I rationalize in my own mind, well, I'm not so bad. I don't physically abuse them. And seriously, I doubt if I would have had the foresight or the courage to be someone like Roger Williams who defended the cause of the Native Americans in 17th century North America. My point, that it's perfectly legitimate and should not surprise us that the struggle for personal dignity and human rights must be waged again and again and again and again. And it's not enough that I believe I have somehow settled these issues in my own heart. We must choose sides 
We must determine where we stand. It's always been that way. We can't merely sit on the sidelines for change. I think these times that we're living in are asking more from us. More from us than just being nice or at least stopping short of a risk-neutral kindness. History is expecting more for us and from us than sympathy or sentimentality. Somehow we must engage these issues at a far deeper and more confident level. Maybe we can start by getting a little bit uncomfortable, I'm sorry, a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Kind of like perhaps you're feeling right now. If we're ever going to move these conversations forward, we're going to have to take a few more risks and step out of a lot more comfort zones and engage our neighbor and our community and our politic with a lot more courage. When the Apostle Paul is addressing the issues of the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, we recognize in a wider scope that this is perhaps the most conflict-ridden Christian community in all of the early churches. Sexual immorality within the congregation had split families apart. The wealthy felt they deserved better privileges than the poor. Charismatic gifts were being used for selfish promotion rather than for the building up of the whole body of Christ. Members were fighting each other in court and at the communion table. And in that context, we hear Paul's call to the community as it's offered in exasperated desperation. He wanted them to focus on a deeper appreciation for the unity won by God in their common confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's what you do when a church is in conflict. We remind each other, I'm not Lord. You're not Lord. But we know who the Lord is. And what the Lord calls us to become and to be and to experience. And though they were different in task and ability and skill level, Paul suggests you're equal to each other based upon a mutual respect of the honoring of each person's unique contribution to the total life of the faith. Every one of you who have been to a wedding know how Paul wraps up this plea to this Christian community in 1 Corinthians 13 by calling every single person to the high rewards and the incredible demands of authentic, sacrificial, and unconditional love. Everything's going to pass away except love. And I can be a clanging cymbal or a noisy preacher. But if I have not love, well, I have some profound things I could say I'm doing, but it's not helpful. This is the message of the gospel. God loves you, 
And here's the point we trip on all the time. And God loves your neighbor just as authentically and deeply and unconditionally and perfectly as the love that you have received for yourself. That God's love has no limits, no barriers, no boundaries. And if we build a hedge around this love, then it's a hedge that we have created, not what has come from the Spirit of God or the confession of Christ or the calling of the community to act in love and kindness and service to each other. Proving yet again the radicality of love that's deeply embedded in the Christian story. A radicality that Christians still struggle to implement and fail to live out. Here's what Martin Luther King said in his letter from a Birmingham jail, 1963. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. That song, You Are a Child of God, that you heard so beautifully sung by Daniel Beasley, has a story, a powerful story, a meaningful story, a story that Daniel told me when I first hear, heard him sing it, a story that we must remember. For the author of that beautiful song, one of the most beautiful I think I've heard, is a Kentuckian. A boy who grew up in eastern Kentucky wrote that song. And he was gay. And he came out to his family. He came out to his community. He came out to his church. And he was rejected. Rejected for who he was. Rejected for the story that was deeply his. Rejected as God's own child. He turned to alcohol to help dull the pain and alcohol became a pressing addiction one that eventually took his life he a child of God offering us a song for us to remember not merely my place as God's child but everyone's righteous legitimate and protected space as God's own. Can't you be a part of that story? Courageously, unreservedly, proudly. That person sitting next to you in the pew or sitting next to you at the traffic stoplight, a child of God. That young boy or girl sharing a darker hue, skin color than yours, not wanting a hand out, but maybe a hand up and certainly not a smack down, a child of God. Your gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered neighbors or work associates or family members, a child of God. We come to this table as we move through this service, 
a table where we proclaim by God in Christ the spirit of love. That says to no one, you are not welcome. Says to everyone, you are my beloved child. We welcome this table of inclusion, of acceptance, of still yet realized equality.
Together, please. Dear God, we say with our mouths that we want to be disciples, that we are ready to be disciples. God, give us courage to be disciples because we don't have it. The mountain is tall. The roadblocks are many. The fears are great. The tasks are overwhelming. We cannot be disciples unless you empower us. So in this moment, dear God, I pray that your spirit will move across us. You will strengthen and embolden us to do, to be, to love as you would have us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please be seated.
invite you now to join together in the reading of the invitation to the Lord's table. In our preparation to the Lord's table, let us consider our standing before God in the confession of our sins and in profession of our redeeming faith. For we have not trusted you as we should, O Lord, nor fully believed in your loving power. We have stained our souls and have aided in the division of our communities by our action and inaction. We are broken by disease, bruised by the persistent sins of prejudice and racism, weakened and unable to repair ourselves and build peace with our neighbor. We have ignored your call to center our lives in you, and we have been blind to the hopes and cries of the poor, the powerless, the sick, the oppressed, and the needy. We have denied the reality of pain all around us and have become deaf to the cries coming from earth. Help us hear, believe, and practice the good news when we confess our sinful ways God abundantly pardons. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. By this one spirit, we are all baptized into the body and made one. peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be always with you. And now, as we celebrate the welcome and the abundance of this table and our host who welcomes us, let us welcome one another by passing the peace of Christ together this morning. Peace with you. Now we prepare ourselves to this, the Lord's table. It's a table of welcome. And all those who love the Lord and wish to follow the Lord are welcome to his table of inclusion and service. Our uh, bread is gluten-free. If you wish to only have a blessing, you can come forward and cross your arms. But in a few moments, you will come down the middle aisles, go to either side, take the bread and consume it and the cup drink it and place the uh, the soiled cup back in the basket and then return back to your seats this is not a race 
This is not a, a time to wonder about what you're having for lunch. It's not a time to think, well, we may get out early or we may go a little longer. It's a time to come to the Lord, to His table, to His embrace, that you may, as the psalmist proclaim, taste the Lord and know that the Lord is good. I believe all of us need that touch of grace and forgiveness and renewed love. And so, as you come, you come with your neighbor. You come to meet the Lord. You come to receive the goodness that the Lord has reserved for you. For we give thanks that on the night of Jesus' betrayal, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. In the same way, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever we drink of this cup, we remember his death, we proclaim his resurrection, and we await his coming glory. Let us pray. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts, that the bread and the cup may be the communion of your church, one with the body of Christ, seeking to live as the body of Christ in the world, through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, and in the power of Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Come to the table.
We now come to the close of our worship service, which begins a transition of your service now to the world, that you have received the goodness and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And through this power, you now walk from this place knowing that you will not walk in your own head esteem or in your own faculties or in your own abilities alone. No. All of these gifts that God has given you are now equipping you to be the blessing that God intends you to be today and this week. And so our song is a song of commitment, a song of dedication, a song that we will take this service that has been so beautiful and not only treasure it for what it has meant to us, but to use it for what it might mean to someone else. If you wish to respond in faith for confession, or for membership, or for service, we also receive you gladly as now we start a transition from this service to the greater service that God is calling us to partake of. Let us come and live in the light and sing it from 749, this hymn we stand and sing.
And it's uh, my joy to introduce to you Jackson Campbell. Jackson, come stand by my side. He comes forward seeking membership in this church through baptism. Um, he is from Mount Sterling, a student at Transylvania University. Um, he is not the person who wrote the song, obviously. But unfortunately, also, he is from a church that has not accepted Jackson totally. And he has found in you the welcome and the delight of the people of God and comes for membership and baptism here in this church. And if that delights your heart the way it delights mine, would you say praise the Lord? Jackson, that's the people of God saying God's good blessings upon you and this decision that you've made is important to us as it is important to God, and I know it's important to you. Our pledge to be your church family, to love you unconditionally, and to see where God is going to take you and the things that God is going to do in your life is a delight for us to be a part of and support. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Jackson brought his best friend, Mackenzie. So Mackenzie, after the benediction, you have to come here now. Come stand next to him because he did this very courageously. Uh, but I know he brought you for some support. So you come and be with him while others come down and offer their own words of welcome as well. Jackson, we love you. We know God loves you and we are anxious for our time as church family to grow and develop over the years. Um, are you a freshman or sophomore? Freshman at Transylvania has nothing else to do. <laughs> a little bit of studying here and there. Thanks for being here on a Sunday morning for making this day even more special. Thank you. Daniel, thank you for your leadership. Uh, Daniel's in social work at UK and uh, is still doing a lot of good work. And are you at the master's level or getting ready to start? Headed to the master's level, almost there. Again, a young man with very little to do. Um, thank you so much for being a part of our church and for helping our service be so much more meaningful. Uh, choir, others, Mark, Raleigh. It's been a great day for us to not be snowed in at our own house. Um, if you want to be a part of the ecumenical service, that's tonight at Pox Christie at 7 p.m. Please notice other things, including game night this Wednesday night here at the church, which will be a fun time of just being together in fellowship and fun, and we hope that you can be a part of that. You'll notice the staff listening session coming up later in February and other important information for you to take a part of. After this benediction, Jackson, come stand here. Mackenzie, join him. Others, please come and offer your words of thanks to Daniel and welcome to Jackson. Would you bow now for the benediction? Go now in the peace of God. To love and serve the Lord. Go now in the power of the Spirit who leads us to love and serve our neighbor. And remember the poor as you share the gospel with actions as much as with words. Amen. Amen.